It's good to be back. Uh, Verda and I, last week, were able to, to spend some time in Orlando, Florida, at uh, the Sun Life Discipleship Conference, and it focused on, on, on how Jesus did ministry and on how Jesus discipled, and Sun Life did the uh, four-chair discipleship, and that's what that book focuses on. And I, I'd really encourage you, if you've never experienced um, a study of the life of Christ, um, a, a, a harmony of the Gospels is, is, was something that has been transformational in my life of just the study of the life of Jesus and, and how Jesus did ministry and, and how Jesus um, had a need for, to be filled with the Spirit and, and, and to hear from his Father. And so it was really good for us. Uh, we were able to spend some time with John and Melissa Grandchamp who are missionaries that we support uh, in Montana. And it was really good to just to hear their heart for ministry to Native Americans up on the Flathead Reservation. We're in this series entitled Questions About Prayer. And boy, are there questions about prayer. This morning's title is, Why Pray If God is Sovereign? And last week, boy, I, I wrestled with this question and and I searched and I looked and, and, and studied and tried to look behind the curtain of, of God and see how prayer works. To see how, how my prayers as a, as a mere mortal, as, as a sinful person, how they impact the sovereign God. And Wednesday night, and we meet here every Wednesday night to pray at 7 o'clock. And I want to again encourage you to, to take Wednesdays to fast for a meal. And next week we're going to talk some more about fasting. But, but Wednesday night as I was sitting here, this is what I sensed from the Lord. Dwayne, you don't need to understand my sovereignty. You just need to understand that I command you to pray. And Dwayne, how is your prayer life? And I realized, and I, as I reflected on my own prayer life and, and, and realized that, you know, I'm not doing well at this. I think what gets in my way often is, what well, my busyness, the distraction of my mind, but also this thing of trying to figure it out. And what God tells us is, we're not expected to figure it out. In Deuteronomy chapter 29, it says, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children, that we may follow all of the words of the law. So what Deuteronomy says is, you're not supposed to figure out the divinity of God and, and, and the sovereignty and how that works with prayer. Those are the secret things of God. What I'm expected to do as a follower of Christ is, I'm expected to obey His commands. 
And so the reason that we pray is because we're commanded to pray. You know, throughout the scriptures, and that's one thing that, that really stuck out to me at, at, at the D conference down in Orlando, was how often Jesus prayed. You know, there, in, the new, in, in, the, in the Gospels, there are over 30 instances where, where Jesus prayed. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, it says, this is then how you ought to pray. And we, we, copied, we covered that a couple weeks ago. Romans chapter 12 says, Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Be faithful in prayer. Don't be anxious about anything in Philippians 6, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Devote yourselves to prayer, Colossians 4 says. Pray continually, 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. Paul told Timothy, I urge you that all requests, prayers, and intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone. So are you, getting, are you starting to understand that this isn't about me understanding how my prayers affect the sovereignty of God and how my prayers move the hand of God? That's not what I need to focus on. What I need to focus on is, is I am commanded by the Word of God to pray. Not to figure it out. I am commanded to pray. So why pray if God is sovereign? Because we're commanded to pray. But I also notice the life of Christ and how he prayed. And I pray because I see the example that Jesus set for me as a follower. And Jesus, like I said, there's over 30 different times that, that Jesus, it, 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 it records him praying. He is my example. Now, here's the thing that we don't understand. You see, Jesus was fully God. The Bible tells us that it says in, in Colossians, for Christ, in Christ, all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. So, so he was fully God. And yet, Hebrews tells us that he had to be made like his brothers in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God and that he might make atonement for our sins. You see, he was fully God, but he also had to be fully man. He had to function and live like we do. Wayne Grudem says, Jesus refused to rely on his divine nature to make obedience and easier for him. In other words, he never played the God card. Jesus never used his deity to impact the situation. Jesus was dependent on the Holy Spirit in every aspect of his life. And so he was dependent on prayer. Luke said Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan. Luke again says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is Jesus talking. 
Luke again says in chapter 10, he was full of joy through the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus chose to limit himself to live like us. And the key to Jesus' obedience on earth was his prayer life. And when you look at his life, he often would get away. Before major events, he would get away to pray. Right before he selected the 12 disciples, it says in, in Luke chapter 6 that Jesus went on the mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples and he chose the 12 from among them. Now, why do you think Jesus got away to pray right before he selected the 12 disciples? Do you think it could be because he needed to know from the Father who he was to select to be his disciples? Or was it just a mere formality? I believe Jesus got away to pray because he needed to hear from the Father in order to make the decisions that he was making, in order to do the ministry that he did. In Mark it says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Jesus often withdrew, Luke says, to lonely places and prayed. And so as I look at the life of Christ, I'm reminded that I must pray. Because if Jesus was fully God and, and fully man, if he was dependent on the Holy Spirit, if he needed to pray... And that may make some of you a little bit uncomfortable, but, but that's what the Scriptures tell us. If he needed to pray, to hear from the Father, he said, I can only do what the Father shows me to do, then why do I think that, that, that I can live, that I can be effective, that I can be faithful without praying? I can't. And if you're struggling in your walk with Christ, in your relationship with God, if you're struggling to be faithful, I guarantee you, you're struggling in prayer. I guarantee you, prayer isn't a priority in your life. So we pray because we're commanded to pray. We pray because Jesus taught us to pray. Jesus told us to pray. He was our example for how we need to pray. But prayer also is, is, is the way that we communicate with God. It is the primary way that I communicate with a holy and righteous God. It's how we worship and praise. It's how we offer confessions for our sins that lead us to repentance. Prayer presents us the opportunity to, 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 to lift our requests to God. And we have to remember that He is a personal God that cares about us and wants to communicate with us through prayer. 
you know, first, Second Chronicles 7, 14 says that if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I they hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. Now prayer is not just asking God's blessings on things to bless us and, and to give us and, and, and to provide for us, it, it's really about communicating with Him. Because, because without communication in this relationship, without, without communication in any relationship, the relationship breaks down. I don't know about you, but how many of you have found that, that in your marriage the silent treatment just does wonders? doesn't work so well, does it? No. But, but I think oftentimes I give God the silent treatment. Did you give him the silent treatment this week? Did you communicate? Did you talk to God? Did you spend time sitting in his presence? Telling him how much you love him. Telling him how much you appreciate everything he's done for you. So prayer is, is about, I pray because it's the way I communicate with God. Now, now prayer isn't just talking to God. I believe prayer is listening. And this is one of the questions that I got. Is prayer a one-way or a two-way conversation? I believe prayer is a two-way conversation. I believe as we pray to God, as we speak to Him, there are times for us to listen. Because empowering conversations is our two-way street. It's talking and it's listening. It's being engaged and attentive in the communication that you're having. So in my prayer with, with Jesus, I, I pray to Him, but then I also listen to Him. I speak to Him. I give Him praises and I, I repent and I ask and I yield. And, and we talked about that couple weeks ago we we went over that um, that was our model in the concert of prayer but in my prayer I also listen the psalmist said in Psalm 119 verse 15 I meditate on your precepts and I consider your ways I delight in your decrees I will not neglect your word So in my relationship, in my communicating with God, I speak, but I also listen. I meditate on His Word. I pause when I speak, and I listen. I'm silent. I'm still. The psalmist says in Psalm 63, I lie awake thinking of you, meditating on you through the night. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all that you have done. 
I ponder the work of your hands. And the psalmist in Psalm 4 again says, meditate in your heart upon your bed and be still. Now that word meditation makes us a little bit nervous at times because because of the new age connotations that come with, with meditation. But the word meditation means the act of focusing one's thoughts to ponder. So, so, so meditation as a believer consists of reflecting and thinking and, and contemplating on, 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 as the psalmist says, the work of his hands and on, on who God is. You know, in, in Eastern meditation, the attempt in, med- in meditation is to empty our mind to completely empty our minds of everything and just meditate. But when I meditate as a believer on God's Word, I read His Word, I study His Word, and as I read it, I don't read it just for facts, because because our faith can become very much an intellectual exercise where we read the Bible simply to learn more about God. Now, that's important. It's important for us to learn about Him so we can know who He is, so we can know this person we're having a relationship with. But also, when I am reading, I'm trying to understand what God is speaking to me in this context. I have to get the context right. I have to get the interpretation right. But then I have to ask the question, how does this apply to me? And I stop and I meditate and I say, Lord, how does this apply to me? So that when, I, when I'm talking about spe- allowing God to speak to us, He speaks to us through His Word, but He also speaks to us through His Holy Spirit. We have to remember that the Holy Spirit lives in me. The Holy Spirit is alive and active. And why would I think that He would never speak to me? And that He would only speak to me through His Word. But we have to be careful that we don't become lazy Christians and and, and we just sit there and we meditate. We never open the Word and we just say, God, speak to me. That's what I call lazy Christians. People who who don't want to study the Word, who don't want to read the Bible, they just want God to drop these messages into their heads so that they can have this relationship. That's not what I'm talking about either. But in my time with the Lord, I speak, I listen, I'm attentive to what he's saying, to what he's trying to convey to me as I'm praying. And that takes time. See, I can't do that in five minutes. I can't do that with, and I don't have anything against the daily bread, but I can't hear God speak when I open the daily bread, do my five-minute devotional, read the verse that they give me, read the comments that they made, and shut it and go about my day. That's not listening to God. That's not That's not a relationship. See, sometimes it takes a long time until we hear the voice of God. And usually these impressions that we get, the impressions I get in my soul are a word from scripture. 
that sticks out to me. Sometimes I wait and I don't hear anything, and that's okay. I think sometimes we try to manufacture things that God spoke to us because we think that every time we sit down, we have to hear from Him. And, 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 and God doesn't give us messages every time. He gives us a message every time we read the Scriptures. But we have to be attentive. We have to be patient. We have to wait. Because prayer is a two-way conversation. And yes, God does speak to us through His still, small voice. I remember the first time I really heard God speak to me. I can't say that it was an audible voice, but it was, it was very, very clear. January 11th, 1987, I was sitting at 6209 South Car Road in our old building. I was sitting towards the back, and, and Levi Hirschberg was preaching. I heard these words. Dwayne, one day you're going to stand behind that pulpit. I didn't know what a calling was. I didn't understand what it meant. I just remember that day, writing January 11th, 1987 on a yellow piece of paper and putting a square around it and knowing something about my life had changed that day. And over the next seven years, God took my wife, took Vert and I and our family on a journey of, of, of understanding God's calling. Sometimes it would go a long time before I would hear, before I would hear God's voice. But, but all along this journey, something that it did is it, it gave me this incredible appetite for His Word. And I began to study. And I began to, 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 to pray and, and to really seek God. And sometimes I would get scared and I would, I would step back from it because, because of what I sensed God speaking to me. But there were times along the way where, where God spoke to my wife and I spoke to Verda and said, it's okay, we can start. When we're open and when we take the time, God will speak. But sometimes we're we don't want to hear, and you know, in Hebrews it says, quoting from Psalm, I think Psalm 95, today if you hear his voice. Don't harden your heart. If you hear God's voice, don't harden your heart. Don't, ig don't ignore it. If you think you hear His voice, then check it out in Scripture and ask the Lord to clarify what He's saying. You see, in order for me to hear God better, I must get to know Him better. And the way I get to know Him better is through His Word. So when I think I've heard something from God, I have to make sure that, that what I heard is in line with what God's Word says. So your relationship with God, it's much more than an intellectual exercise where you're, you're studying for a test. Remember, this Word is living and active. 
And we need to treat it as such. So why pray? Because it's the way I communicate with a holy God. It's the way I foster in my relationship with a holy God. It's the way I hear from Him. And then prayer, prayer allows us to participate in God's work. Now, does, does God need help to do anything? No, he, he's, he's all-powerful. He's in control. He, 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 he ordains certain things to happen. I mean, he brought this universe into existence. Do you think he needs, needs my advice or need, needs me to pray to make things happen? <clears throat> no. But the beautiful thing about the way things are created, God has ordained that through my prayer, certain things happen. In other words, your prayer makes a difference because God created it that way. He made so that when we pray, things happen, and when we don't pray, certain things don't happen. It's the great mystery. And I would love, no, I wouldn't, maybe it probably is better if we don't understand. That is the mystery, is that, is that I join God in, 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 I participate in the work that he's up to. James 5, 16, I think it is, um, it says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And it says, the prayer of a righteous person has great power and it works. Now, if, if, if God wouldn't use our prayer to change things, or if our prayer wouldn't change things, why would James write that the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working? <clears throat> Psalm says, In the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait in expectation. Why would the psalmist wrote, write that he waits in expectation for answers to prayer if God wouldn't be using his prayer to change things? So we have this responsibility. We need to pray for lost people. You know, we've got our, um, our bookmarks. Where do I have my bookmarks? Get your bookmarks out. Remember, remember that person that you wrote on there, those three people that you wrote on, on your bookmarker? Are you praying for them? Because we're commanded. It says in Romans, brothers, my heart desire and prayer is that is, is prayer to God is for the Israelites that they may be saved. That was Paul talking about his, his, his brothers and sisters. He wants them to be saved, and he was praying to God for that. And if, if Paul wouldn't have thought that praying would make a difference, why would he have wrote this? Why would he have prayed? We have a responsibility to pray for our lost friends that they would, their eyes would be opened. They would open their hearts to Jesus. 
So we pray for, we pray for our lost friends, and, and we're called to pray for workers. Jesus one time was with his disciples, and he, he said, look out on the fields. The harvests are plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send workers into the harvest field. So we're commanded to pray for workers. We're commanded to pray that God would raise up workers to go to the harvest field. And if Jesus wouldn't have thought that, that our prayers matter, he wouldn't have told his disciples to say, to say, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send out workers. And so we join God in accomplishing his purposes when we pray. And finally, prayer strengthens the bonds between believers. Prayer does something when we gather together to pray. You know, when we get in groups of people to pray, it does something. And I wish it's something we would do a lot more often. And I was thinking this morning, what would be really cool is if I would say, why don't you guys all get up, get in groups of five or six, and take some time to pray for each other. For a lot of you, it's like, oh, no. I do not want to get in a group and pray. Why is that? Partly because some of us are bashful. Partly because we're not sure if we have the right words to speak. Remember, prayer isn't a conversation with the person, or it's not, you're not praying to the person who is in that group. You're praying to God, and you're blessing them. You see, if I'm in that group of five or six and I've got cancer and they pray for me, I am blessed. I don't care what their words are. Just when they, when, when they say my name and they ask God to heal me, I'm blessed. When I'm in that circle and, and my marriage is struggling and, and that group prays for, for my marriage, I don't care how they pray. I don't care what their words are. I just know that I'm blessed. I am, I'm encouraged when, when people pray for me. I think it's one element that, that is missing from, from the Fairlawn Mennonite Church that I really want us to begin to incorporate into what we do. Because we're called to pray together. Yes, Jesus said that we should, we should go into a prayer closet and we should pray to God and, and not make a show of anything. Not make a show of our prayer. But when you look at the life of Christ, he also, he prayed in groups of people. He gathered his disciples and they prayed. You know, Galatians 6.2 says we're to carry each other's burdens in the, and in this way we fulfill the law of Christ. I think when we carry each other's burdens, that means we pray for each other. We lift each other up in prayer. We've been praying for Chet and Kelly and, and, and Kelly's cancer and, and, and God is, is doing a work in, in, in her cancer and, and Chet and Kelly are blessed because of the prayers of the people. We're helping to carry their burden through prayer. Paul says, that, in that way you fulfill the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? Jesus said in, in, in John 13, 34, let me give you this new command, love one another. When I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ, when we gather together and I pray, I'm, I'm carrying their burden and therefore I am loving them. 
the early church in Acts, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So I'm going to give you a, a heads up. We're going to start doing more of that. And, and when we do that, I don't want you to be scared it's okay to be a little awkward and, and, and to be stretched a little bit. That's all right. But I want you to remember when we are doing that, when we gather together, it's the body loving on each other. And there may be times when you're the one that needs prayer and you're the one that's going to be blessed and felt loved and cared for. And there will be times when, when you're the one that has to do the loving and has to do the caring, and, and, and has to do the praying. It's really simple, Lord. You know my friend has cancer. You know what they're struggling with. You command us to pray. Would you heal them? It's that simple. Was that hard? When the body prays together, it brings us together. And when the body prays, renewal and revival happen. And when you study the great revivals, and I'm, I'm over time, but I need to tell one more story. When you study the great revivals, they all began with prayer. You know, the revival of, uh, of 1857 in New York City on September 23rd, Jeremy Lampfer, uh, Jeremiah Lampfer, um, called a prayer meeting. He hung up a bunch of posters all over town and, 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 and asked people to come to a prayer meeting at their Dutch Reformed church that was dying. The first day, six people showed up. Jeremiah wasn't discouraged. Just the six of them got on their knees and they began to pray. The next day, 40 people. A couple weeks later, 40 people showed up. And then 60 people showed up. And they continued to pray. Then the great crash on October 10th, the, the economy in the United States crashed. And within months, there were 10,000 people gathering every week to pray. They would shut down businesses in New York City because everybody was going to the prayer meetings to pray. And a great revival broke out. And the revival went to Chicago and it went to Cleveland. And, and this revival broke out all over the country because one man, believed that prayer was really important. And one man was committed to making that prayer happen. You see, nothing is going to happen at Fairlawn, nothing is going to happen in Apple Creek if we don't pray. It doesn't matter how big our surpluses are, it doesn't matter how big our building is, it doesn't matter what we do, if we don't pray, nothing will happen. I want to call us to prayer. Because prayer changes things. And when we pray, we join our holy and righteous God in the work of drawing people to Him. Will you join me in prayer? Will you commit with me to pray? To pray for each other and to pray with each other? for our community, and for our world. 
this Nicaragua team goes, we have a responsibility to pray for them. We have a missions wall, we have a responsibility to pray for them. Because nothing happens if we don't pray. Father, today we have... My prayer for us is that we would see the necessity and the beauty of prayer. We pray because we're commanded to. We pray because Jesus prayed. We pray to enrich our relationship with you. And Father, thank you that that we can be a part of what you do through prayer. Would you revive our hearts to to a, to a um, desire to, to pray. Lord, pray it wouldn't, it wouldn't make us scared or fearful or, 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 or awkward, but, but Lord, I, I pray that the time would come here in this sanctuary where we would long as a body to, to, to get in circles, to get in groups and just pray for each other and love on each other. Father, would you give us a peace about that? It's in Christ's name that I pray today. Amen. All right, Adult Bible Fellowships, which are our, our groups, um, our adult groups that gather together uh, between services, begin in about 10 minutes. Um, if you have questions, if you're new and would like to know more about those, somebody at the Welcome Center can help you. Thanks. Have a great day.